your individual choices to lose weight or not lose weight and how that's tangled up in your health and all of that is the part I'm the least interested in. I want to know what are you doing on anti-fat bias in general? What are you doing to make your home a safe space for all bodies? You're listening to Burnt Toast. This is the podcast about diet culture, anti-fat bias, parenting, and health. I'm Virginia Soul smith I also write the Burnt Toast newsletter. And I'm Corinne Fay. I work on Burnt Toast and run Sell Trade Plus, an Instagram account where you can buy and sell plus-size clothing. It is time for your June Indulgence Gospel. We are going to answer your questions like we do every month. We are going to read a little hate mail. I have a fun one teed up for you. And we are going to celebrate because this is the 100th episode of the Burnt Toast podcast. Whoa! I mean, that's wild. It's wild. This is also a paywalled episode. That means to hear the whole thing, you'll need to be a paid Burnt Toast subscriber. And to celebrate our 100th episode, you can join today for 20% off. That gets the price down to just $4 a month and $40 for the year. Click the link in your episode description or go to virginiasoulsmith.substack.com to join. Amazing. Corinne, how are you? I'm happy you are here with me on this auspicious occasion. I'm so excited that it's the 100th episode. Yeah, it's also, I mean, it's fully summer here. It's hot. It's pride. (laughs) Trying to find shorts. (laughs) Ooh, are you finding any or are you you frustrated in the shorts journey? I'm both finding and frustrated. Yeah. For some reason, I'm feeling like all the shorts I wear last summer, I don't like anymore. Mm. Like, it's not that they don't fit. I just don't like them anymore. <laughs> I had a had a similar reaction. I had a bunch of the Target linen shorts from last summer. Mm. And I don't know if they like, I don't know. They just haven't held up. No, it's not the highest quality linen, I guess. Yeah, I do find that sometimes with yeah fast fashion yeah. stuff i feel like just the next season it's like dingy. This, this just doesn't doing it yeah but happy pride are you doing fun thank you fun pride things i am i'm going to a ice cream social Ooh. on wednesday which i'm very excited Sounds about delightful. and i think i might also get a tattoo <gasps> wait tell us everything. at dyke night wait okay the mom and me is like you're getting a tattoo at a bar have you checked out like are they reputable I'm also like i don't know if you recall but i got covid at dyke night so i am recalling I that Corinne. it is like a disease vector have we just but, done like a little background search on this tattoo artist we like them they're high quality needles they, they do seem cool okay. but yeah i think maybe i will wear a mask <laughs> i will wear a mask but i will let you put needles in my body Yes. Seems right. Um, Seems right. Yeah, so um, I think it'll be an exciting week. Are you a big tattoo person? Do you have a lot of tattoos? I do. The- it's funny that you don't know that. I do. I feel like I have a fair amount yeah. of tattoos. Yeah, I've seen your arms, but... Yeah. I don't have, like, a ton on my body, but I have some on my limbs. Nice, nice. I am the only millennial who doesn't have a tattoo because I'm very scared of sharp needles. Well... It's not too late. I know. I've also just never, I don't know. I've never had one where I'm like, that is what I would like. But that's exciting. Do you know what the tattoo is going to be? So it's like a flash event, which means that, yeah, they have kind of like pre-drawn stuff. And the person I'm going to, it's a bunch of like weird, cute little creatures. (gasps) That sounds delightful. I'm excited to get a little creature tattoo. I'm excited for you. Thanks. How are you doing? I am good. It is pride here as well. It's high garden season for me. May yeah. and June are like the months. So um, I'm just like gardening as much as I can now that the book stuff is calming down. And yes, I planted 
too many Dahlia tubers this weekend. There's, oh my gosh. It's going to be a whole thing. First of all, I just want to say, like, Corinne is being all cool and getting tattoos, and I'm now going to tell a nerdy gardening story. <laughs> we are who we are. It's fine. <laughs> I feel like gardening is very cool. So I had failed to successfully overwinter my Dahlia tubers is how the story oh. starts. <laughs> just so we know where the coolness is. I had just dumped them in the garage and never packed them up properly. It's like a whole process you have to do. So I killed all my Dahlia tubers. And so in a panic, because I love Dahlias, I ordered a bunch online and I ordered way more than I needed. Then that order was delayed infinitely and oh, I thought no. they weren't coming. So I bought some locally for my amazing local flower store parcel, planted all of hers, and then my online order arrived. Oh, wow. So now I have 66 Dahlia tubers in my garden. Oh, my gosh. It's too many. I was like sticking them anywhere. going to be awesome, though. I don't know. I'm late getting them in the ground. We're having a drought already. Like, we'll see. And it was like a ton of work to plant them all. Hopefully there's going to be a Dahlia Fest. I'm on later. a Dahlia journey this year. The most important thing, and everybody listens to this podcast, please hold me accountable. This November, when they freeze, Virginia, dig them up and store them properly because you have now spent all the money on Dahlia tubers and you cannot ever buy them again. Oh my so, gosh. It sounds so labor intensive, though. It is very labor intensive, but they are not inexpensive. And I have now bought them mm. twice. All right, let's do some questions. Um, All right. We are going to start with a couple of health questions. Yes, here we go. I have recently been diagnosed with a mild case of fatty liver disease. When talking to my GI, who was more compassionate than I expected, he discussed dietary changes I should make to reverse some of the damage over time and maintain a healthy liver. As the mother of a new baby, I am strongly incentivized to be as healthy as possible to be around for my kid. As a fat woman with a recently healed relationship with food and a firm anti-diet, intuitive eating approach to life, I'm struggling to find the balance between this is a diet and this is necessary for my health. Can you make a recommendation for how sick folks can approach adjusted eating regimens in a way that is both effective and respectful of their journey, their own relationship with food, and their bodies? Okay, so I want to say, before we get started, we are not doctors, we are not dietitians. This is informed opinions, that standard disclaimer. Also, I am not an expert on fatty liver disease, and I did not report that out. We're not going to talk specifically about, like, what your protocol should be or, like, is this the right thing to be doing? What I really want to talk about with this question is, like, this happens with all kinds of health conditions where you get told you have to cut out a food group or make some diet adjustment in order to deal with a physical health ailment? And then how do you do that in a way that's supportive and not triggering and not pushing you back into a diety place? Yes, that makes sense. I would do some research and see how necessary the dietary adjustments are. I think they are often prescribed, and again, I don't know about liver conditions, but they are often prescribed as like a knee-jerk, one-size-fits-all kind of prescription without a lot of nuance taken into whether it's really necessary for you. The research isn't often as clear-cut as we would like. So you might ask your doctor if you feel comfortable, like, is this a dietary change, something you would recommend for a thin person with this condition as well? If not, what treatment would you give a thin person? Just to kind of understand the landscape of, are they doing this as like a stealth way to prescribe weight loss to you? Or are they doing this because they see a clear-cut relationship between X foods and this condition. I do know that there is a health at every size health sheet for this condition. 
Yes. So we so will that might that. be a good place to start of like, what does the research say about like mm-hmm. what helps? Yeah. And Reagan Chastain and then everyone who works with her on that does such an incredible job pulling together. They have a bunch of health conditions covered and it's a really good starting point anytime you're getting a diet or weight loss prescription from a doctor to kind of understand like what is the other take. But okay, let's say that you do have to make the diet adjustment. Like, it does seem somehow clear-cut that this is the right thing to do. What are your thoughts on how you do that in a non-triggering way? If you decide that you do want to make dietary changes, which I do think, like, is a choice, Mm -hmm. you could always work with a nutritionist Mm -hmm. who's aligned with your values around that. Mm -hmm. If you are someone that struggles with, like, restriction or, like, you know, food stuff, which sounds like you are that dieting also might not be healthy for you. Yeah. So it's like you're kind of balancing like... Two health conditions. One thing that... Yeah. 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 And I think it's important to be clear with your doctor about that. If this feels unsafe for you, let's name that and let's make sure that your doctor is aware that they're suggesting something that may be unsafe for you. Yeah. And what supports are they going to put in place or what other protocols can they consider to make it safer for you. Yeah. I think that can be hard to do for folks who don't have a diagnosed eating disorder. It can be hard to do even for folks with a diagnosed eating disorder because often doctors don't care and don't ask about that or they're so focused on this little piece of your health or ignoring the bigger picture. But if you don't have a diagnosed eating disorder, you can feel like it can feel this sort of vulnerable thing where you're like, you feel like you're saying like, but it just makes me sad or, you know, and that that doesn't feel as important. Like there's this urgency of like, but your liver numbers or your AC1 or whatever it is, is in jeopardy. And we don't have time for your feelings. Like that attitude is so unhelpful. Yeah. So I just want to name that your feelings in this really matter. You're not being high maintenance. You're not being like fussy or any, you know, like this is actually really hard to do. Yeah, definitely. The other thing that I found helpful with stuff like this, if your doctor gave you like recommendations, like don't eat X, like I feel like sometimes flipping it to be like, not like I can never eat Oreos again, but to be like, I want to eat more Mm. like vegetables or whatever. So if you're thinking of like adding rather than like restricting. I think that's a super helpful shift to make. I had a child who was on a medically required fat-free diet for a period of time. Like there are scenarios where this is going to just be required. Then I think you lean into making what you can eat as delicious and amazing as possible. And you make sure that you're like trying to take an abundance mindset towards it. So it's not letting it be a stepping stone towards more restriction. But instead, it's like, I'm restricting this one thing, but here's what I can eat. What do I love here that I can eat? How do I get the most delicious and abundant versions of what I can eat in my life? Yes. Good luck. Let us know how it goes. All right. You want to read the next one? Sure. I've just started using Manjaro as a way to combat type 2 diabetes, and I wonder what is a good way to discuss slash explain this to my children. Because the reality is I am using it to lose weight, and reducing blood glucose levels is almost more of a side effect. Drugs such as Ozempic and Manjaro and the like have overwhelmed the media, but how do we discuss a medical intervention like this with children? I don't want it to be a secret, but I also don't want a toxic conversation around size. 
Okay, Freelis, that is where we are going to leave you. If you would like to hear our response to that very complicated question and the whole rest of the episode where I'm going to talk probably more about Dahlia tubers and gardening things and, you know, other useful topics too, click the link in your episode description or go to virginiasoulsmith.substack.com to subscribe. And remember, 100th episode, so you can take 20% off that subscription. 